Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. With us tonight are Rich Henderson and Brian Moynihan, both of Lenovo's Global Education Solutions Division. Guys, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. We're delighted to have you both. Yeah, it's great to be here. Awesome. Could you guys just start by telling us a little bit about Global Education Solution at Lenovo and maybe a little bit about uh, your interest in VR? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in, Brian. So we've been building uh, really an incubation business at Lenovo for the, around the last five years, looking at how, how does Lenovo, a global technology provider, help customers with intelligent transformation? As we look at like digital transforming our schools, of course, we've been working on that for decades, but you know, as it relates to Lenovo's role in that, we felt like the best way we can do that for our customers is to help really focus on specific use cases. So we started looking at how do we use our device technology to really build solutions that can address some of these specific intelligent transformation initiatives in education. Uh, we have a significant uh, investment in esports and, and creating esports environments for schools. We're working on AI solutions, professional learning solutions, remote teaching solutions, uh, and finally VR. And we're actually um, a couple years into our VR solution. We're actually, uh, this is our second generation of the VR solution. And I'll let Brian tell you more about that. Awesome. Yeah, it's, um, one of the things I like about working at Lenovo is that it is the world's largest provider of educational technology. So it's and when I think about like why I would be um, moving here, and I'll tell you about my my past coming from academia and stuff. Um, but it's like we can reach scale, we can do cool things, and and reach a lot of people by doing so. So that's one of the things that uh, that we really like about it. Um, yeah, and our vision for VR is um, it's really a complete solution for teaching with VR. So it's a combination of not just the headset, but uh, adding content, um, training for teachers, making sure they have support, um, and then also ways of managing the headsets. Like we have Think Reality, which is you can control a whole series of headsets that way. Um, and then also with Land School Air, it's just basically making it easy for a teacher to hit a button. Everybody does the same thing at the same time. So I think our vision is a little bit different from uh, other people's in the sense that we're thinking about that organizational scale VR. How do we make it easy if you're going to do it for a bunch of people? Easy on the IT people, easy on the teachers, um, and and um, but also flexible. Brian, are you guys imagining that this would be, um, you know, a solution for brick and mortar schools or online schools or both? And and is that VR component social VR? Is it something that's more of an experience on Rails that the teacher can monitor? What all of the above? What what do you think the cadence looks like? to integrate uh, VR into the school day. Oh, sure. So we started, as Richard said, we started with VR Classroom, the first version in 2018. So that used like the Mirage Solo um, headset and worked with Google Expeditions, uh, primarily a Google Expeditions kit. And we sold that in, in the US and Canada and um, like and went into K-12 schools. And so that was in hundreds of schools. And so we learned a lot from that. And I think some of that that idea of we need to move to this organizational thing that, you know, to, to help out teachers and do this at scale um, came from that and really born from uh, that experience. Um, so what we have on there is some content from Vative, which is this awesome STEM content that you can get physics, chemistry, math, biology, virtual tours. Uh, we've got some things from DevClever, which is uh, like career training. Um, we have some from 
uh, wild immersion, which is like being up close and personal with animals around the world. And all of those um, are sort of solo experiences for the student. They're not uh, shared, but there's plenty of other things that you can do that are shared. Uh, and it basically has to do with the app. Um, so in the case of like with us, we worked with Mozilla Hubs, for instance. So people would create, you know, social VR experiences and do that um, and have other things on the platform. And it's really designed to be sort of open. So if people are creating their own things that they can come in and do it, uh, but, but especially on the, the Mozilla Hubs is like WebXR. You can do a ton with WebXR. So many things are being done with by students and teachers on um, 360 video. So, um, and in addition to things you could do like in Unity Unreal to build out things that are traditional. Yeah, like uh, when we when we first, uh, I think Brian was really um, intelligent about the way we designed this version because last, we, we had planned to launch in April of 2020 for, for our current version. <laughs> it's strange timing is <laughs> and so yeah so everything is there you go everything is completely baked we're getting ready to do kind of all our first you know shipments customer orders and everything and then march 17th we get the uh, the order from our governor everyone's to go home you know live from home work from home schools are closed um and so that next week i was like okay our schools are closed we've got this brand new vr solution that we just launched let's try it out so my wife is actually a school librarian at a middle school um, and I got like four kids at home. So I'm like, okay, I'm the, I'm the IT admin. My wife will be the teacher. We got, we got headsets at our house. I went up the street to our neighbor who agreed. We got, we got them a couple headsets. And then we basically hosted like a virtual um, class session where, you know, we logged into the portal. I loaded content on the headsets that my, my wife who's the teacher hit go on the on the VR experience and we all launched into like a remote VR simultaneous like synchronous experience. So it was it was pretty awesome. We didn't we didn't actually design for a lot of remote learning. We designed it around cloud management, but it was just great to see it work even in kind of that remote learning remote crisis situation. Yeah, it was like, it was maybe six, nine months before that. I was like, actually, this could work perfectly well online. Like everything we have here works online. But I was like, what's the use case for that, right? I mean, of course, and of course, everything changed completely with COVID. So uh, every child in America won't be doing school online anytime in the near future. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's, let's uh, imagineer for a second. If, so based on what you guys have learned, if you were building an online school that was going to be VR, um, you know, I, I imagine it would look something like a, you know, a Brazilian steakhouse. The, the, the uh, <laughs> VR would be the steak, but you'd need some other components. You'd need a salad bar. <laughs> you'd need, you know, you'd need an LMS. You'd need two-dimensional content. You know, you just can't, um, you know, you, you just can't write uh, uh, with, with a, in a pencil in the same way in, that you can in VR. Obviously, you want to do things in VR that you can't do in reality. Um, what, if you were consulting someone who was building an online school completely in VR, what would be the, uh, what would be your guidance? How would you, how would you tell them to, uh, to build Ready Player One or Ready Teacher One, the name of our podcast? <laughs> um, do you want to take a first stab or you want to try it, Rich? Let, let me, let me start from where we were, um, where we were designing to begin with. Um, before we kind of get into that, because I do think that's an incredible vision. Um, but but actually, you know, when we first started doing VR, we thought, look, we're, we're not going to get everyone in, in that length of a virtual experience, either either from, you know, 
the inability of the technology to support that many kind of hours of learning in one in one piece or individual people's willingness to spend that much time in VR. So we we actually designed around more chunks of experiences, kind of like that that shared experience model. Like you go with your friends to the movies, you've all experienced that movie together. You come out of the movie and you're like, oh man, did you see that part? That was great. You're all you're all interested. You have this common experience that you can build upon and it's in, and it's enlarged your mind in the way that you see the world so we initially designed our bear experiences to be that kind of like 10 15 20 maybe max 30 minute type of experiences because of that because we wanted it to enhance the classroom instruction um, and so we didn't plan in those those social environments we didn't plan in that kind of like um, collaborative space for people to wander around and then talk to their peers. So, so that's where we started from. Um, but I'll let Brian tell the vision because, because he, I think, uh, has done a lot of thinking about this. I think has a good vision here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, I think there's one version of this that it's like, yeah, you live your entire life, like the, the Ready Player One sort of vision. But I think that um, th the best things that I've seen, and I, uh, this is, again, born of experience, not necessarily something I thought about, but the way I saw it used is all the scaffolding that's built around it. Um, so, example, we worked with Ithaca College on a, um, a sort of a teach the teacher program. So there's some students there who are learning to be student teachers to teach K-12. And there was a cool example where somebody was like, we're going to learn about To Kill a Mockingbird. So they used a 360 experience of a courtroom. And I have to say that like, that was even for me, and I spent a lot of time in 360 and video and things like that. It was like transformative because courtrooms are scary places where you feel like you need to like sit up straight and behave right. And like, it has like a visceral experience um, that people can feel emotionally. And then to do that, and the next step that they took was then that the school, um, the students would arrange their chairs in the room physically to be like a courtroom. So it was a sort of double um, experience of both being sort of embodied and spatial in a digital sense, but then also in the in a physical sense as well. Um, and then they they debated things. And so to me, the context of talking about every, all the, sort of the themes of that book, they're the great themes. You might have this sort of casual, offhanded, philosophical conversation about justice and and all the things that come along with it. Um, but I think when you have that embodied and element of it, it adds a lot. And so that sort of element of thinking about how does VR fit in with like the grander sweep of what we're doing is really important. And it actually allows you to reuse the content in all kinds of innovative ways. Um, the same content uh, module, for instance, that's on photosynthesis could be used in a third grade class or a 12th grade class, depending on all the things that come before and after it, all the things you expect, because you're still having that sort of embodied experience um, of, of seeing all inside of the processes and such. Sure. Oh, Rich, it looks like you're on mute. I, I just, classic error. Um, so I'm just gonna try to answer your Adam, uh, your question a little bit more directly. Here, here's where I think like the, the beauty of this could be. One of the things I'm most passionate about is how do you include students who don't have access to the best teachers to, to, to a school at all? And, and wouldn't that be great if we could design, and this is to me like um, the ultimate, one of the ultimate design categories. The students in the classroom could have digital twins that are, you know, in a virtual space and represented in a virtual space. And when a player, um, when a student or player joins into that environment remotely, they're part of that class. They can interact with the digital twin versions of those students that are in class. They can um, have conversations with them, maybe interact with them through a one-on-one environment, but they're completely virtual. They could be in a different country. They could be um, 
And if it, but as long as it's synchronous, there's some way for them to kind of be a part of that class. Um, the teacher could pull in that virtual avatar kind of into that class setting. They could hear from students that are, that are in like the, the digital twin environment. I think that is one really uh, incredible use case of a way to, to have technology reach students who, who are kind of separated from the best teachers. And I have a, oh, again, so I, I have a couple of thoughts about that. One of them is, and I'm increasingly coming to see that VR is one among many uh, media that you could even be in the same experience together. Um, so the examples of things that are like web VR things that I mentioned Mozilla or Frame or Spatial or something, you know, there's a number of, of environments like this where people could be coming from different devices. So you could actually have a persistent uh, school day within the same environment and be switching off uh, between different ways of doing it. And VR becomes sort of the premium experience, I think, um, because it's the thing that really grabs people's attention. They're focused, they're emotionally engaged, they're you're, you're tapping into the part of their brain that is like literal, it's neuroscience. There's the, the visual cortex and the way that we spatially understand things and emotionally understand things. Um, that comes from that. So I think that's really cool. And But to me, if you're talking about like a grand vision for where I see things going, um, I think that we see sort of two things. So if we have, um, we see the world, um, the digital world taking on more and more aspects of the physical world, right? So you can be embodied, you could be in places, you can have objects, like all the things that we have in the real world, and then some, because we get imaginary ones, could all be in that digital world, in the metaverse. The flip side of that um, would be like the internet of things. So like all the physical things in the world around us have some sort of like digital computation built into it, um, where the end result of that, you know, if you take it out far enough into the future is that basically we have like microchips inside of cement, <laughs> like everything is in some way like, you know, computationally active. Um, and I think where those two things come together to me is this like grand vision of like the physical and digital um, it, coming from both sides together. Um, and I think that's that's really interesting like you know future state that's incredible um rich and brian i think all four of us here are incredibly excited about immersive technology and how it's going to impact education um i would love to hear from your perspective what are some of the challenges to getting more widespread adoption of these technologies and and what are you guys at lenovo um working towards and thinking about for solutions for those challenges uh, I just want to make a quick comment about, you know, how, how we see new technology and how it gets introduced to the market. I, I still think um, Jeffrey Moore's work on crossing the chasm is, is extremely relevant here. Because as we look at introducing new technology, especially into the education environment, you're going to have those, those innovators, those technology kind of really early adopters, those first adopters. Um, and I think sometimes, um, sometimes we stop there. When we, when we look at like what technology we should build and we build for those kind of very first adopters when really the big leap to cross is that chasm to like your, your mainstream, sure. your mainstream teams and how do we cross that to create something that is good for every classroom? I have to really applaud um, Google for their expeditions program, you know, for, because for, you know, six, seven, eight years, you know, they really developed something that, that was simple, that was accessible, um, that could use a variety of different headsets and could be adopted in classrooms really, um, really, really broadly. And so, you know, I really applaud their efforts and I'm, I'm very disappointed that they um, didn't continue that program. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, that's where we still are is kind of designing for 
those those newer adopters. Um, and we haven't yet. Uh, we think we're getting close uh, in the in the solution that we've designed to being able to to leap across that chasm to a solution that's easily managed, just like your other IT devices that has content that is curriculum based. And so it's not it's not a game. It's not just you know um, an entertainment device. It really is a learning device. And so that that's really where we're focused on. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, so the scaling aspect, the better content, you know, the earlier levels of content that we saw in VR were kind of like nice to have, but they weren't like curriculum map. They weren't tied into state and national standards where somebody could just uh, sort of plug and play. Um, but I think a, a big part of this teacher training um, that... I'm sorry to interrupt you. Has somebody built that um, kind of IMACAL standards or, or aligned standards? Have Has somebody built that plug and play out that you're aware of? Yeah, the for Vative, what we use for uh, for STEM curriculum, like for every one of 550 modules, you can look and see for state and national standards where it lines up, and uh, so it's pretty nice. That, and then, and that's only with Lenovo. You can't have a Quest Two and go shop that out. You you have to use a Lenovo hardware for that. They they do have other platforms that you could use, but Vative is is our chosen content provider for this STEM content. Um, Vative for our listeners? Vative. V-E-A-T-I-V-E. It's like creative, but with a V. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and the cool thing, too, is that you can actually um, create student profiles. So you can see um, what what modules individual students have have completed. So not only can you map to standards, but you can actually go back and run reports and you can show which standards you've covered because of the different modules that students have, have participated in. And I've actually thought it's, it's been a dream of mine in general. I think this could be digital. Uh, VR would be a great way to do it, but but outside of VR too. I mean, we've got common core standards, right? Everybody's going to be teaching to the same stuff. And even people who are not in the United States, they're going to follow some, some similar kinds of curriculum. They're going to be learning Pythagorean theorem and, and all the basics. Um, so and so all that stuff is so universal for sure. Yeah. So why don't we just, we should have like contests and like open wikis where people are saying, you know, 101 ways to teach Pythagorean theorem. And then somebody can have their expert, like I'm a tactile learner and I want to do this in a physical way, or I'm a, I'm a, a visual learner, auditory learner, like all these different kinds of people taking all these different kinds of approaches approaches and then t- teachers could go in there and, and this is sort of a dream of mine that everybody be contributing to it and you just pick your favorites and run through it yeah that's tremendous um, but but to come back to your question, you're talking about challenges. I, I think some of the challenges are teacher training um, and to making sure that people can get up to speed. And I think that we're seeing people who are the early adopters and they want to get out in there and they want to do awesome things. They want to create things. And we love those people and we want to support them and, and give them ways of doing that. But also there's plenty of people who are just like overwhelmed. They don't know how to use this the first time they ever used it. And they want something that's plug and play. Um, there's issues over privacy. Um, we, every single time we make a sale, practically, someone is asking about like, well, what sort of student data is being shared here and things. And we always say, at least for us, it's completely voluntary. It's like someone could have student one and student two if they wanted to, and, and uh, they could choose how to use it. Um, and I think also understanding what could be done with the technology. So my feeling about VR and the way I got into it even is like somebody shows you an example and now you have one example. Somebody shows you a second example and now you've got two and a half examples. <laughs> but when you get to like three and four and five, suddenly you're like at some point, and I'm sure all of us have had this, your mind blows open and you, you say, I could use this for anything. You could use this for soft skills. You could use this for physical procedures. You could use this for content knowledge. You could use this for creation, you know, like, and so getting sort of all those use cases that I think is the key element of what Rich was mentioning about cross 
crossing the chasm is um, all those, you know, the people who are in the majority are a little bit more skeptical. They don't see how it scales. They don't necessarily want to put a lot of effort into it. They want to make sure it's private and they want to see how does this relate to me. Um, so when you have those concrete use cases and you could say, this is what this school did and you have a bunch of those that pile up, I think it makes a big difference. Brian, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, we're looking at projections that say there'll be a billion headsets out there by 2027. And so as we skate to where the puck is and we think about investing in the supply side of the equation, creating VR curators, helping teachers, building what I call uh, quarterback camps, you know, people who are going to lead the hmm. VR efforts. Uh, there seems to be a lot of government funding for remote school solutions. There seems to be a lot of um, interest in the corporate sector with partnerships. Is Lenovo working, you know, if, if, if you were on the other side of the table, if you were a, an emerging school leader, let's say you, you were going to start a charter network and you wanted to make VR education available for free to, the, to, to children all over the state of Florida where Ryan and I are, mm -hmm. what, what, what's your best advice for um, a social entrepreneur that wants to scale VR in a particular state and is looking to partner with an entity like Lenovo? Hey, so let me jump in here on this one because I, I do think there are some there are some funding mechanisms right now that are incredibly important. One is the CARES Act funding that was approved and the American Rescue Plan funds that, that were approved at the federal level. And these do qualify for VR um, because um, you know they're targeted for closing that lost year of learning, that learning gap that was created by COVID. And, and VR is a tremendous way to target specific skills that students may have missed in, in some of their STEM work. Also social emotional learning connections. So, so VR is a qualified candidate for use of the you know, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that have been allocated for education funding. So you know, I would definitely say start there. We also have partnered with um, some groups that know education well to write actual grant um, guidance. So Rich, you mentioned the CARES Act. What was the second one that you mentioned just for our listeners? I, don't I think it's called the American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue Plan. Okay. Thank yeah. you. <clears throat> These were both activated by the federal government. Like one year apart, basically, right? Yeah. And then they have that funding is available until... 2023, like, uh, you know, they have, they have time to spend that money. They have time to research and, and decide how they're going to use it. A lot of schools are updating their infrastructure. They're updating their Wi-Fi. They're, they're making sure that students can connect with devices and from home. But a lot of them are using um, this type of technology to actually address those learning gaps that were caused by COVID. Um, and then I was mentioning that we've actually partnered with a group that does professional training um, and grant writing to develop some guidance for schools, like where to go find grant money, how to write that grant proposal. And, and we've helped schools um, with, with context or from customer testimonials to, to justify kind of spending grant money on this as well. Wow. Do you guys partner directly with school entities? We do. I mean, so I would say, um, we work very closely with a with a number of partners in the in the K twelve space. We have a very large partner network. Um, so everyone from you know we have I think 30, 40 primary kind of um, partners that we work with to deliver these solutions to. But but 
We also work directly with customers and then in higher education and community colleges, um, kind of that secondary, post-secondary level, we do a lot more direct um, relationships. Uh, and so it's kind of all over the board. We have, you know, customers, we have salespeople, we have partners really on, on every street corner, it seems like at this point. Tremendous. <laughs> Rich and Brian, uh, one of the themes that kind of pops up on our show a lot is kind of this uh, debate in the XR world between whether VR is the more long-term solution for education or AR is the more long-term or some combination. Um, are you guys in Lenovo uh, all in on VR or do you see a future with AR as well for your company? Um, basically both. I mean, so in terms yeah. of education, what we've done so far is definitely on the VR side of what we're currently doing. Uh, but if you look at Lenovo's sort of history, it goes back a, a long way. So the original phones that were, you know, doing spatial mapping and things like the, the it was what we called the Fab Pro um, mm-hmm. was, it was a Lenovo phone. Uh, a number of things that that go back there. Um, so Lenovo also has um, Motorola. So we have that, that side of the industry as well. Um, and then we have things like the A3 headset that's coming out. It's kind of what some people are calling a two-in-one. It's like, it looks more or less like a normal pair of glasses, but it connects to a laptop or to your phone. And then it has uh, sixed off tracking. So it's doing spatial tracking around you and you can do some cool things. So we haven't yet done that for education, but um, you know, the larger focus I would say um, overall in Lenovo um, for AR and VR is on the, the corporate side. So I think in, in many ways, and this is in sort of industry-wide places, even HoloLens or Magic Leap and, and other things you're seeing where they started out like, hey, maybe, maybe consumers will like this and they're like well we're gonna nail this first for the uh the, the uh um that side of the commercial side before we come back and i think that um you know one of the things that people who this is what happened to me before i came to lenovo and i didn't realize necessarily like i had been following every like vr blog and everything and i thought i knew everything about vr but i really didn't because i was thinking about it from a consumer gamer sort of point of view and it's very different when you do it from a commercial point of view and and um I know that schools are not uh, for-profit organizations, but they are organizations where they need to like think about things at scale. Um, and so you need to think about the whole package and how that all works together. And I, I don't think we really talked about this a whole lot, but actually the company's investment, Lenovo's investment in AR is actually what created the management platform that we're using. So we have a platform called Think Reality. Um, and that platform was designed to um, really be the the host and the management device for not just the kind of the headset and pushing down patches, controlling settings across the fleet, but it's also managing the content. And we were looking at this kind of industry issue. Um, let's let's say like you're at a, a large university and someone in the chemistry department develops a um, a VR or an AR experience. Well, then how, how do you get that experience across to you know, other departments, other universities? How do you share that? And how do you distribute that onto other headsets? Well, we can use this Think Reality platform to just cloud push it to any device that's, um, that's in there. You can even group devices into, hey, these are the chemistry devices. These mm-hmm. are the math devices. And so you can push different sets of content um, to these different um, devices. And that's been really impactful um, in fact, like, you know, we, we, we've had um, the opportunity to just, you know, help customers who are deploying hundreds of headsets and just, you know, help them push all that content out, queue it up so it loads up next time it connects to the internet. And that's been uh, really valuable from like helping people manage these devices, um, making it easier, treating it just like another PC device. 
Yeah, and I think that you know, for there's always going to be a, a room for uh, for AR, and there's always going to be room for VR. Uh, AR has many advantages for like you're able to still see the room around you, etc. You can layer things on top of the real world, um, but VR, for whenever you want to have something that's like fully immersive, that somebody's outside of their scenario and, and fully into some other world, and, um, and really, I guess one of the, to me, I think of them as a, as part of the same continuum, but it has to do with like minimalism versus maximalism, <laughs> like the minimalism of like you just want one thing, like you just want one. Uh, Pokemon sitting on the table, you know, for, for AR. Um, but it, for VR, you'd want to be full in, a full environment where everything you see is like that. So it's, they'll, both of them always have a role. I think that some people like pick sides. But <laughs> yeah, to me, to me, Brian, it's like, um, it's less impactful because I've seen a number of solutions for EDU that are like the selfie sticks or like where you have like this, you're looking at this screen where you're seeing this AR thing, but it's, it's four feet away from you. It's three feet away from you. It's not like, it's not that interesting to me. You know, it's kind of cool technology maybe to, to see that, but I want to see it like uh, here, like it's in my full range of vision. It's part of my normal kind of viewing area. And, and from that standpoint, AR is, is a little bit cost prohibitive at this point to, to see it kind of widely deployed. So I think over time we will see uh, AR, but in my opinion, it's, it's probably five plus years away. And we'll, we'll continue to see kind of VR as the primary driver in a, in a K through 12 environment, at least from a headset standpoint. And, and I know we're getting ready to wrap the show, but, but what do you think the biggest pain points are that you all, that Lenovo is solving for the K-12 space? What are the, what are the pieces that, that you're getting the best feedback on from your users? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is just like the ability to manage, if you're managing more than four or five headsets, it's really nice to be able to click a couple of buttons and, and have everything update. Um, and uh, because otherwise you're, you're taking it, putting on your head, you know, updating things one at a time or plugging it in, side loading it. And that's, that's part of it. So just to be clear for our IT folks out there, if, if a school has bought, let's say, you know, 400 Oculus Quests, can they use your management platform? Can they use Lenovo's management platform to manage uh, loading um, VR experiences remotely? It is um, the long-term vision for for Think Reality is that it will be sort of um, agnostic to whatever device comes on it. Um, right now, that's not the case. Um, so. Yeah. So, but I think that's one of them. And then also just little things that people like the the durability of the headset or how long the battery lasts, or if it doesn't heat up on your head, or if it's lightweight, um, some of the things. And I would say in general that when people are, if they're just looking at lowest cost, which understandably many schools are doing because they don't, they don't always have money for things. Um, it's, you have to think about the VR as being one component amongst many, like the time that your IT people are going to put to it, the time your teachers are going to, the training that they need to have. Um, so you don't want to people off by thinking about that but it is very helpful to think holistically about it um and i would say you know we, we definitely are trying to solve something that is uh or we <laughs> what i always say to, to my guys is you know if people want a you know uh, a vr experience they they can go try these you know handhelds um or like the phone drop-in viewers um you know, people people have done that and seen that. And we're really trying to create something that's a little bit more of a um, an experience um, that has really good education curriculum. And and honestly, in terms of like what we want to do for people that that aren't sure about VR, we just want to let them try it. We just want to let them see it because I can't tell you how many times people don't get VR 
And then they put it on and they see one of the experiences that we've designed. I mean, especially the wild immersion. It's like, it's like Zootopia, you know, you're walking into the thing and all of a sudden you got, you got animals, like you're underneath the giraffe <laughs> that's doing yoga. Um, and, and, and it's like, wow, I want, I want every single one of my students to see this. You know, you've got students who maybe have never even left um, the county that they were born in. Mm -hmm. And, and now they're having these uh, experiences where they can see themselves in a, in a different light they can see opportunities they can see the world uh in, in different ways and so honestly if i could say one thing it's just i want more people to see it i want more students to experience it and and so that's that's our desire it's just like how how do we share this how to get it more more people to get an opportunity to see it rich and brian it has been uh such a pleasure to talk with you both this evening we're so grateful to have had you on um where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to reach out to you uh, my Twitter handle is at Rich Educations. And mine is at Brian underscore Moynihan on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. We look forward to staying in touch and following all of your successes. Thank you again. Thanks. All right, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Take care. Bye.